Welcome to Let's Get Bitchin', your go-to spot for movie wrap-ups, media reviews, and everything you didn't ask for but are getting anyway. What are you waiting for? Let's Get Bitchin'. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Let's Get Bitchin'. As always, I'm your host, Genesee Gabrielle, and this week we are back with an extra super-duper special guest host, which I don't introduce all of my guest hosts like that. That's not a thing. Melissa! Yay! Hey, that's a really great title for me honestly it's just super duper special um super duper special yeah. yeah um yeah I will be honest I definitely do introduce everybody like that because I'm a cancer so everybody that I choose to talk with is like the best person on the planet there you go everyone is the best person on the planet that kind of makes makes it less special super duper special if you will but that, I know no, that's that's awesome I love that <laughs> <laughs> I do know that. And it makes me feel sad because then I'm like, I don't want people to think that they're less special. <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. Everybody's special because everybody is special. And, um, I, I literally am, I am the most cancer of cancers. And so I'm, I'm cancer in three different planets. It's kind of oh, obnoxious. Wow. Yeah. Melissa, like it's, it's serious. The situation That's is a dire. Lot. Uh, That's my a lot. sun, my moon and my mercury. Oh, and sun and moon, like that's pretty intense. That's, that's not, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of cancers. So like, it's, it's fine. We're in my, one of my favorite seasons. We're in Virgo season as we're talking. And that's one of my favorite times. Cancer season is another favorite time. So I'm, I'm for it. Yeah. I feel good. I, right. Yeah. And you're a Capricorn. I love Capricorns. They're... I think Capricorns and cancers were exact opposites. And so I feel like we, we just get each other. We, yes. Which in is a special way how that works. Special signs. <laughs> I love it. Um, we are not here to talk about astrology signs today. But are we? Because we're talking but, about gay stuff, and so basically, I think it really fits. I think it's on brand. It is on brand. I I agree. We are here today to talk about queer shit. Question mm-hmm. mark exclamation point. Um, I'm like so stoked. So I thought about this back in pride month because you know it was pride month and everybody suddenly remembered that gay people exist and i was angry um i mean i don't know i don't hate pride month it's fun because like there's rainbow shit everywhere and i'm like Mm -hmm. i got this fun little like pencil thing that's rainbow at target oh beautiful thank you thank you target thank you target um and I got like a rainbow letter board because like, for some reason, June, everybody's like, Hey, we're finally going to make rainbow shit and call it gay. And I was like, that is mm-hmm. what I want. That is how that I, is what I want, but it is homophobic that you've decided to only do it in June. Yeah. Right. Like, why can't I have rainbow letter, letter boards all year round? You deserve that. I, we all deserve that. <laughs> um, and so I was, I don't, I was thinking about it with like people coming out and like all sorts of like talking about like queer representation and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, I was just like, I, I feel like we needed to have a chat about what it means to like be queer and the idea of coming out. I've been getting really frustrated with the idea of coming out Mm -hmm. recently um, and just the expectation around that. So Mm -hmm. I messaged Melissa and I was like, Hey, Let's have a chat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're here today. So I, last time I introduced you, 
I um, introduced you as Tristan's girlfriend, your most important title. Mm-hmm. Last time we were here to talk about Gaylor theory. So your second most important title was Gaylor theorist, you know, yes, um, mm-hmm. leading expert in Gaylor theory. Yeah, I mean, yes, naturally. Because I've decided that that's what you are. Thank and you. who's really going to challenge me? You know, nobody. Nobody. <laughs> um, but you are also have a PhD. I like, do. I actually, yes, I actually technically in, in that way, I'm an expert at something in human sexuality studies. <laughs> like, in human sexuality studies. And you spend a lot of time like creating like public information about like in public education about that and about like queer stuff. Yes. Is that exactly. the way to say it? Mm-hmm. Queer shit. <laughs> officially. Queer, queer shit. Queer officially. shit TM. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like really curious how you would define queer theory. Uh, I mean, queer theory, actually, it's very interesting that you asked me this because I um, run or, or did my first um, chunk of running a bisexual support group. Um, I'm planning on running another one in the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, the last session, we actually talked a little bit about queer theory. And I actually just so happened to have a definition that I still have handy um, right here on my computer. Yeah. So um, I will share with you the, what I had found that I really liked um, the way that I had kind of defined kind of more broadly queer politics um, for myself was that it's a theory and practice <clears throat> that centers devaluing and destabilizing normative and especially cis heteronormative expectations around how we are in relationship to one another. Mm. And there was this quote um, that I found from a scholar in the 90s whose name I can't remember at this moment, but they said queer theory and politics necessarily celebrate transgression in the form of visible difference from norms. Mm-hmm. These norms, in quotation, are then exposed to be norms, not natures or inevitabilities. Um, and I really, really like that because I think that essentially queer theory is looking at the way, the ways in which we queer as a verb, the world and queer theory, although that's something that came about academically in the nineties, the academically is like such an oppressive kind of concept because queer theory has always existed. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's really, if I had to kind of simplify it, I think it's really about looking at norms and kind of like what that quote said, exposing those things to be normed by virtue of subverting them. So, I mean, that's complicated and and it's maybe a little jargony, but (laughs) that's kind of how I think about it is how are you subverting particularly norms around gender and sexuality, but really just anything because you can't have queer theory without also calling into question, you're not only calling into questions to heteronormativity, you're calling into question white supremacy, you're calling into question colonialism, yes. capitalism, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, so like, yeah, so, so many things, any way that we like center non-normative, and I'm saying that like huge quotation marks, like non-normative ways of being, mm-hmm. um, I think ends up being queer. I love that definition. And I think that's really great. When I was like, when I was thinking about it myself and trying to come up like with my own definition off of like, like, yes, okay. I have like a somewhat like academic understanding of, of queer theory and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, when I think about it, because it's 
it's a term and an idea that I use a lot and that I hear mm-hmm. a lot. And when I, and when I'm in like casual conversation and I'm talking about queer theory, I'm not thinking about like all of the scholars that came before me, that right. like wrote yeah. all of these theories. Yeah. I'm using it in a way that becomes like colloquial question mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was thinking about that and I really think what it boils down to for me is rejecting heteronormativity, mm-hmm. which is, right. I think the crux of what you're saying. Exactly. Um, and I think that's really, really powerful. And then when I think further about like, well, okay, so I'm sitting here thinking about queer theory. I'm thinking about queer representation. I'm thinking about all of these things. Well, what does that mean? Um, and like, when I was like thinking about us having this episode, I was getting upset. Well, what was I getting upset about? I was getting upset because people were coming out or people were asking me about my coming out experience. And I wasn't upset about that. I was upset that about like around the conversations around that, right? Mm -hmm. Like example, example, Harry Styles. I feel like, (laughs) I feel (laughs) like at this point, we all know Harry Styles is queer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, even before he started dressing more feminine or like expressing his gender in different ways and talking about that and having Vogue covers Mm -hmm. where he's like, he's like, I'm a man that intentionally wears feminine clothes. And that's an important representation of my gender and my sexuality before he started talking about that stuff. Like, I think it's important to note that the closest Harry Styles has actually come to like coming out, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. is being like, oh, I like people, right? Mm-hmm. As like the interview mm-hmm. question. Um, because he is a global pop store star. He was like one of the main, like in when he was in One Direction, he was like the boy that they pushed. Like they were, yeah. they were pushing him to be like the front of One Direction, um, which was a huge boy band. I mean, mm-hmm. Harry Styles is, is iconic. And also there's a lot of pressure on him. Mm-hmm as a star. Um, so obviously like coming out in that position is really freaking difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so Harry Styles is out here wearing, like there are multiple pictures of him wearing different shirts that have something about like fellatio on it mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. sucking dick mm-hmm. because that's a thing that straight men do. Mm-hmm. You know? and well, and I think, I think that that's something that's interesting about it too, is that like, even if Harry Styles is straight, quote unquote, like as mm-hmm. a cis man is only having relationships with cis women is only attracted to cis women or whatever, even if, or women in general, depending on how you look at it, right. but like, even if that is true, though, he is still subverting cis heteronormativity by doing those in things. In his dress. Yeah. Right. Like in his yes. dress, like that is still subverting or even not defending masculinity or defending straightness by kind Mm of evading some of the questions that people ask him about his gender and sexuality. Those are still ways. I mean, it's not obviously like a strong stance necessarily, but like they are ways of subverting. um, Yes. This heteropatriarchy. And so it's like, it's still queered, you know, as a verb, whether he is queer Queer or not identified or not. I think that that's a great distinction. And I really appreciate that. Um, what, so I kind of want to get back to this idea of me being frustrated because I don't want people to think that I'm upset about Harry Styles, love Harry Styles. We are a Harry Styles loving household. 
Um, no, no hate for Harry. Um, but except for when he's out here not wearing a mask to shit, he needs to mask the fuck That's up. Not cool. It wasn't cool. It was not cute. Um, what I'm upset about. So I have so many like personal interactions where I'm like talking with people. I'm like, oh yeah, well, because Harry Styles queer, and they're like, well, has he come out as queer? Has he mm-hmm. dated a man? Mm-hmm. Has he talked about dating men? Has he had sex with men? I don't know. I don't personally yeah, know don't Harry know. Styles. I'll like, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, and it's like, like one, like no, I don't know that. Um, he is presenting himself in a way that I read as queer, and there might be a problem with that. Like there might be something there, but like also we read people as straight all the fucking time and then you have this laundry list of things that you want harry styles or me or taylor swift or whoever to prove that they're queer oh well have Mm -hmm. you dated someone of the same gender have you had sex with someone of the same gender etc etc like there's a double standard going Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. That is heteronormativity, right? Like we're used to people being straight. So we don't think like, oh, well, I have a problem with you you saying that Harry Styles is queer because he hasn't checked all of the boxes that I have for what makes a queer person. Mm-hmm. And whereas like straightness is just the norm. And so it's like, there's nothing to assume or to ask or right. there's not a checkbox. It's there's, just, that's just what you are until we know otherwise. And I think that that's part of the reason why the idea of coming out is so frustrating is because what am I coming out from? I'm coming out from cis heteronormativity. Like you made an assumption about me that I have to come out of, that I have to break out of the box of the assumption that's been made. Um, And that's fucked up. Like it is. That is, that's just a wild thing. And I think that for people to talk about coming out in this way that it's like, this is well, what I think is interesting. And the thing that actually most probably bothers me about coming out as a concept is, um, oh, so many things, but like one of them being, um, that coming out is the quintessential queer experience Uh that like that. And I think that has so much to do with, you know, like I, I say all the time, like I would love a story, like any storyline of a queer character that does not revolve around them coming out like mm. I don't care about that storyline, yes. but that's a most it, that's starting to change. But for a long time, it was like the only media story that you could get. Yep. Um, and I think that there is just this like this this um, marriage of like the queer experience and coming out being like like co- that, like that coming out is such a huge part of the queer yes. experience. When it's like, yeah, that was the thing that happened. And I think that's so funny because like when I think about that, when I think about the idea of, of the coming out experience being the representation of queerness in media, it's because the people making media are either they're straight. And so they're trying to perceive what a queer story is, or they're trying to like create it for you know, a wide audience. Like right, they don't just want to make audience. it for queer people. They want to make mm-hmm. it so that it's relatable for straight people too and palatable. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but the queer experience is not and should not be palatable. Right. Right. Absolutely. It is just mm-hmm. the queer experience. And mm-hmm. if it's that's almost not like palatable to you, then you're homophobic. Right. But it, it's such an interesting thing, right? Because it's like uh it's like on the one hand, like 
you should be able to find it palatable because exactly what you just said, otherwise you're homophobic. But then on the other hand, it's like, I don't fucking want to be palatable to you. Right. Like, I don't want to be palatable to cis heteronormativity. I have no interest in that. Yes. I don't want to be easy to di- digest. Right. Like I, I, it's complicated. And like, that's yes. the whole idea is like, if we can just um, make this super simple, I think it's also why most representation in media of queer storylines are dealing with like, monosexual people so it's like I'm gay or I'm a lesbian lesbian. like there's no there's nothing like not that that can't be that can't be like a complicated experience but there's nothing more nuanced or complicated about queer identity and then it's like um yeah so it's like that's something that is palatable something that Mm -hmm. we can understand and it's not complicated it's not complex um and yeah and then it's just based on this story of like how I come to know that and then have to share that with people And I have so many feelings around the representation of like queerness and coming out in media. Um, first though, I have to say, if you were really craving a story that does not like have to do with coming out at all, Motherland, Fort Salem. I literally just mm. watched it this week and mm-hmm. phenomenal. The main character is a lesbian witch um, mm-hmm. who falls in love with a bisexual like terrorist witch um and the the that sounds complicated it's so complicated oh and the main character is in like the witch military and like the whole show is Mm -hmm. like about like basically a critique about the military industrial complex but then also like terrorism at play like there's just so much there's just so much it's a lot it's a lot but But that's awesome i mean right like they're coming out like there's there's definitely more and more and more media happening that is even directed at queer people because hey oh my gosh we're an entire demographic right yeah mm-hmm. it's almost like queer people are out here reading books and watching movies right and yeah watching like TV. we actually exist and would like to see lives that look like ours wow <laughs> wow revolutionary mind blown incredible <laughs> but i think that the idea of like coming out stories being the majority of, of queer me- queer media that we're seeing is really interesting because I think that to a certain extent, like especially the people who haven't had to come out of the closet, let's say that to a certain extent, they view the queer experience as coming out mm-hmm. because it's like you- an event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you haven't, like explored your sexuality yourself and figured that out yourself and are involved and entrenched in queer communities, mm-hmm. how would you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Which is like, Hmm. It's almost like people who are not involved in those communities shouldn't be writing these stories. Right. I mean, right. Typical, right. It's like, it happens all the time. It's like, yeah, it's always going to be a stereotypical, very flat representation yeah. and the coming out story, you know, it's boring. It's really, at this point, it's boring. Not that like folks don't struggle like legitimately with folks who do come out because there's, I know we're going to talk about this, like that's not something you have to do in order to be queer, but like, and like what is coming out anyway, what counts? I have like so many, so many things to talk about, about what coming out is, but. And something that is super frustrating in like the representation that we see in, in coming out is that there's not a recognition that coming out is different for everybody. And what I view as coming out is different than what somebody else views as coming out. Like I when my idea of coming out was not when I told people that I identify as pan. It was when I and myself was able to recognize like, hey, 
Genesee. You making out with your best friends at 13 wasn't straight. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, yeah, you, you, you like women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You like multiple genders. Mm-hmm. And like, what is that? What does that mean? Um, and that was the important part of coming out for me. It wasn't like tell, my mom came out when I was like eight. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the issue. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, like it was an issue telling some people like mm-hmm, that. Sure. But but for other people, they've known for as long as they can remember what their sexuality is and mm-hmm. coming out for them was a different thing or it might not even be on the plate. Right. Sure. Or it's like, you know, or it could be like, you have to come out over and over and over again, like, you know, over the course of your life. Like when I think about coming out, I mean, like I knew that I knew that I was bisexual my whole life, but like didn't have a word for it until middle school. But at that point started identifying as bisexual. And so it wasn't like, you know, that big of a, it was like, oh, there's a word for this thing. That's awesome. You know? And when I think about coming out, I think, you know, I had come out quote unquote to like my friends, my teachers, whatever. And it was when I finally decided to have that conversation with my mom that to me felt like, okay, this hurdle Mm. that I've been worried about is now over. So now I am, I don't have to hide anymore. And that's when I felt out quote unquote, but like, I've been coming out my whole fucking life because people like assume that I'm straight. So like, you know, this is now 20 years since I talked to my mom about it and I might have to come out tomorrow to someone just making assumptions about my life. I literally have to come out. Like every time I go to the store to buy Mm -hmm. something for my fiance or whatever, like every time we go anywhere and and we're not together, it's like a, Oh, your fiance, where is he? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Literally like I'm shopping at the store and it's like, first of all, sales clerk, why do you need to know? Why do you you care? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Second of all, she's a goddamn woman. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, and we live in Portland, right? Also, like there aren't supposed to be straight well, people Well, also here. it's just 2021. Like we it's, just need to like move past assuming that people are straight. It's honestly yes. embarrassing. It is. It is. And so, yeah, I think, I think that's a really excellent point about coming out is that it is something that happens over and over and over again. And I also think that there is a part of like, I don't know, I guess coming out, but like accepting your sexuality identifying your sexuality that I've been talking about with so many people lately like I was talking about it with a friend who recently came out as bi I was talking about it with a friend that identifies as straight and they were like well I just don't feel like how I think bi people or gay people would feel like sure I fantasize about the same gender but does that mean I'm gay I'm like I don't I mean I guess I don't know right (laughs) Right. I don't get to decide that for you. Right? I don't. Yeah. I guess I don't know. I mean, here was my experience about mm-hmm. it. Like here are some like books and like podcasts and stuff where other people share their experiences. And I guess you can gather and form your own conclusions. But then I, I think about that and like, it took me a cool minute to come out. Um, mm-hmm. When I had been having queer experiences all along, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first person I ever loved was my best friend when I was 13. And I couldn't realize that till I was 20. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that makes it <laughs> difficult too, is like, when we think about what it means to be queer, there's like, the, there's different levels of how that shows up. There's like, mm-hmm. and I think that that's what happens. So there's this one particular model that I really like called the OBI model, which is orientation behavior identity. Mm. And I like it because it's a kind of a simplified version of more complex ways of looking at it. 
But like your orientation is like, who are you attracted to? Who are you drawn to? Like, who do you find attractive? Like that's relatively innate. Obviously it's something that can be impacted by outside influences, but it's relatively innate. Your behavior is like, who are you having sex with? Who are you dating? Mm. Who are you fantasizing about? Who are you like doing things with kind of thing? Um, And then your identity is what you call yourself. And Mm. I think that folks like struggle because it's like, you can behaviorally, let's say like as a, a woman or a girl, have sexual experimentation or like sexual experiences with other girls and still identify as straight. Like it doesn't make you any less straight if that's what you've decided. Um, But then it's like, it's, it's interesting to me because I feel like that seems less confusing to folks. Like it's like, Oh, I was just like fucking around like, but I'm straight. Um, Whereas for some reason though, if people are then wondering if they're queer, there's like, well, there's, the girls that I fucked around with when I was a kid identify as straight. So like, <laughs> like, but I don't think I'm straight. So like, am I though? Cause they are like, I think that there can be this really sort of confusing thing. And I like, you know, people do like, well, I've never done this or I've never done that. And so does right. it count? And it's like, but I'm fantasizing. Like, there are plenty of straight women, for example, who fantasize about lesbian sex, like, and still mm-hmm. identify as straight and that or watch lesbian porn and still identify as straight. And that's awesome. You know, also like, if you're like thinking about having sex with, you know, people of the same gender or queer genders or whatever it is, and like, you're also like, hmm, I think that actually might be a thing I'm into. Like straight people don't ask themselves that question. Straight <laughs> people aren't confused about whether or not they want to have sex with, you know, if they're like sexually right? attracted to, yeah. you know? So it's like, if you're asking the question, you've, you've actually kind of already given yourself an answer. Yeah, I don't, it's, it's actually really funny because I was having a conversation with a friend earlier this year and we were taught, we were having like this exact conversation about like, okay, well, if I'm thinking about these things, what does that mean? And I, it's one of the gayest moments I've ever had. Um, she actually came on the podcast and shared this story. So it's in an episode Mm -hmm. for you, but I, in my purse had a copy of red, white, and Royal blue by Casey Mm -hmm. McQuestion, uh, who is, a very queer author writes amazing queer love stories and there's this sentence where the main character is like questioning and himself he's like wow I really have a I'm I'm having all of these thoughts about this guy and he kissed me and what does that mean and all of this and he's like thinking about it and thinking about it and talking to people about it like about like they're coming out and all of this stuff and he's like but then I think about it and I think if I, I if I was straight I probably b- wouldn't be having a crisis about it. <laughs> right. Exactly. It would just be like, this is a thing that happened and it's no big deal. Right. Right. Or, you know, I, I know who I am and like, whatever it's. Yeah. I think that it's a really very an interesting. Um, if you are spending an enormous amount of time wondering if you're queer, you might just be queer. Might that just... might be what it is like. And that's why you're thinking so hard about it. No, for real. And and I, that's fine. And I, and it's so funny because it goes back to what I was talking about earlier about like the whole reason we're here is me getting upset about people requiring benchmarks of, mm-hmm. of queerness and of queer people. And, oh, well, like, and I mean, as a bisexual woman, it's really frustrating because the second that you're with uh, someone who looks like a cisgender man, oh, well, you're not bi anymore. You're not right. queer anymore. And it's like, no, that's not how it works my queerness well, is in think, me 
<laughs> and I think that has something to do also with the coming out narrative because it's like I was straight, even though like obviously that's not how it works, but it's like I was straight or I was living a straight life or whatever. Right. Then I came out and then something changed. That is not the trajectory of most people's like actual experiences. But I think that's how we think of it is I thought I was straight. I thought I was straight. I thought I was straight. I came out and now I'm being real gay. Yeah. And I think that the way that that then gets applied specifically to bisexual or other polysexual people is like, um, if you do one thing or another thing, or like if you're with one gender versus another gender versus another gender, that somehow has an impact on your identity when in reality it does not um yeah because you came out and now you're supposed to do this specific thing and it's like well I could come out and continue to do you know I don't know it's such a strange (laughs) it definitely I think impacts by plus you know people in a in a unique way yes um because we can come out and be out and engage in relationships that are you know quote-unquote read as straight um and not be betraying the authenticity of our sexuality and that for people is just that's way too complicated right that's it's too much it's too far and I think you know you mentioned something about like like you're talking about this trajectory right and I think that that's mm-hmm. it's so interesting when thinking about the narrative around coming out and that I've been getting frustrated lately and I I've started this thought earlier but I've been getting frustrated about how we think coming out or like recognizing in ourselves how that should feel. And I think a lot of that has to do with like the narrative and representation of coming out and like acknowledging your identity um, in different forms of media that it's like, that you know, right? And you'll just, Mm. you'll know. What does Mm -hmm. that mean? There's a moment. There's a, yeah. You've always felt these things or, you know, and I, and I, that, inherently ignores how pervasive heteronormativity is mm-hmm. right absolutely right it makes it it puts the onus all the time on the queer person rather than on the culture yes. you know like just like we were saying the idea of coming out i'm coming out because the, the society is making assumptions about me not that's the only reason why i have to quote unquote come out and so that's a social issue and mm-hmm. i think that like similarly the idea being that like some of the onus is on me to like understand, accept, think through my own shit by myself in my own brain um, before I can kind of like join, I don't know, whatever this kind of like legion of queerness is, is like, it's just such an unfair, yeah, like what does it mean to feel, you know, there's, <laughs> there's like, there's, there's a lot of theories, there's a lot of different theories on um or models for like, uh, what do you call it? Like queer identity development. Right. Um, and one that came out in the seventies um, from a researcher, Vivian Case, that I kind of like, but it like goes through six stages, but like there's the beginning stages, which is basically like, I recognize that I'm different from other people. Like that's the thing that's, that I'm picking up on like early on, right. either but that's early on in your life or just early on in your journey that you're like, okay, I'm different, you know, and there's a whole process and like the acceptance aspect of the process is really late. Like it's much later in the, in the process. And, um, yeah, I just think like in my own life, I knew ever since I like had little crushes or whatever, starting when I was, you know, very, very young. Um, I knew that I had crushes on 
people right. regardless of gender, that that was not like relevant, you know, to me. And it wasn't until then all of a sudden I realized, wait, nobody else seems to be feeling that, mm. you know, and that's the recognition of, okay, like I'm a little different from other people. Like, um, and it's a whole process to then come to like understand, I don't know. It's just like, we're just saying, like, even <laughs> for me, I was just thinking, I think a lot about being a kid and having this like question where like, maybe in like the fifth grade, I can like remember thinking about it of, um, I know what it means to be straight, or I didn't know that word, but I knew that that was a thing. And I knew right. gay as a word, and I understood what that was. And having this experience of being like, well, which one am I? I don't know. And like really, really struggling. And like, that is a social problem that I wasn't introduced to an idea or, yeah. a, or a word that would describe people who might be attracted to multiple genders. Like that is a social problem. That is not my problem. How yeah. am I supposed to understand and accept myself when you're not even giving me language or um, representation to understand that people like me exist? hundred percent. hundred percent. But no, I think that's, that's absolutely it. I mean, it is a social problem and, and like, what is, what does that mean? Like, that's the, I'm, I keep saying like, I'm upset. Who am I upset at? I'm not upset at the people around me who I love, who are just doing their best to understand the world from the tools that they're given, because th those are the interactions I'm having, right? It's people that I know or people who interact with me online or whatever it may be. Um, I'm not upset with them. I'm upset with the societal circumstance that led us here to where I have to sit here mm -hmm. and explain it to you. And then, and then you, they might get frustrated because they're like, well, that means anyone can be queer. <laughs> and they're Which, like, that's not what yes. I thought. That's not what I was thought. Yes. Anybody can be queer. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the true gay agenda. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's actually really funny because so my, uh, sister-in-law recently had a baby mm -hmm. so we have a little niece and she's adorable and um we'll be like holding her her in our arms and we're just like chatting about the shit that we always chat about so like Naomi or I will be like uh screw men sorry Jason which is the baby's dad right mm -hmm. and <laughs> we're like, sorry but yeah men suck and then and like we're just like talking about shit and whatever um and our mother, my mother-in-law goes, goes, Jason, this is the gay agenda. This is what it looks like. Like they're, right, they're, exactly. they're, they're trying to like indoctrinate your baby. I'm like, to be fair, like your baby was born in 2021. Your baby doesn't stand a chance in hell of being mm -hmm. like straight and or cisgender. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Yes. Um, which is so funny. Like my my little brother uh, came to your folklore party. Right, right, and right. It's so interesting because he and I are nine years apart. So he's 16. Mm -hmm. And my experience growing up, I mean, I, I was young, like relatively recently, right? Like I was, I was like in high school and like from like 2012 to like 2014, 2011 to 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, which is pretty recent. Right. But even like when I think about like how many out queer kids I knew in my school or like our conversations around that and the stuff that we were talking about in classes, it's almost non-existent, you know, mm -hmm. and 
And then I look at my little brother and he's out here. Like, we're just like sitting, like he's playing games on his phone and I'm working Mm -hmm. and he's just casually like, you know, Jen, these are the different types of hormone therapies. And these are the, like, this is what like kids would have to go to. And this is the age that you can do it without your parents consent and what states and like, and I'm just like, Mm -hmm. it's a different world. It's a different Mm -hmm. world. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're actively getting to a place that is a different world. And mm-hmm. I think that's so interesting because it is changing, but at the same time, like we have like our generation that is like, and like, I mean, you and I are on like opposite ends of our generation, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. like each of our experiences are super unique from each other, even mm-hmm. though we're both technically millennials, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have the generation above us that we're all coming at like all issues, but like specifically we're talking about like queerness and gay rights and trans rights and all of these things. We're all coming at it from like different understandings of what that struggle mm-hmm. looks like, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's so interesting coming at it from a millennial because I I know personally, like I can look at it and be like, yes, I see that things are different. I look at the younger generation and I'm like, holy shit, like Mm -hmm. something's changing. Something's changed because you have all of these different kids and like all sorts of different states and backgrounds, like with religious parents, like talking about this shit and Mm -hmm. making TikToks about this shit. And they're not afraid to like have whole like online platforms where they're calling people racist and transphobic. And I'm like, in my, back in my day, like we couldn't do that without like being worried that we wouldn't get a job. Mm-hmm. Back in my day. So now we're just talking about our differences, right? We're 10 years apart. Back in my day, social media didn't exist. Right. You know? So it's like, I mean, things changed rapidly. Yeah. You know, like I didn't even have Google. I had like an AOL search engine. You know, like, that's what I had growing up when I was in high school. You know, like, we didn't even have social media. MySpace wasn't a thing until I was in college. Right. So, I mean, you know, and that's, like, the beginning of, like, that conversation. Like, Facebook wasn't a thing until I was in college. Like, that. And, um. And you're still fucking young, Melissa. I actually, unfortunately, technically, they don't consider you young when you're over 35. At, at that, that's I, kind of like the cutoff. I think I'm, and I'm okay me. with it. I'm, I'm fine with it. Like, I'm, I'm okay with being middle-aged. That's where we are. Right. Um, but yeah, I feel like um, it's, it's I, I, you know, we talk about like what's changing and obviously culture changes over time and that's a big part of it. But like technology right. is a huge, I mean, the access, you know, like I wouldn't mm-hmm. even have known, I wouldn't, when I was thinking in middle school, about the fact that, you know, maybe I was queer and like, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even have something to Google. I didn't even have, I didn't have a way to look up the information. Right. I couldn't even like ask like, how do you know you're gay? And like type that into something, (laughs) you know? So like, like creepy men in AOL chat rooms, you know, who like could give me some advice. Um, so I think it's a very, very, the, the rapidly changing access to information I yeah. think is, is huge, but like, but at the same time, you know, I graduated, graduated high school in 2003 and m- me and my peers started the GSA at my high school. I'm curious if it mm. still exists, but like, you know, like there was still at that time. Yeah. Like some kind of desire for right it was a pain in the ass. We actually had to create an entire other, this is so wild. If you want to talk about like just different, how things have changed. When I was in high school, we had to create a, a club 
called the Climate Committee. It had nothing to do with the climate on the outside, but it was about school climate. Um, oh. It was called the Climate Committee, and it was about school climate. We had to create a club about what was needed to improve school climate for us to decide that what we needed was a GSA for us to then get approval from the principal to start a GSA. We couldn't just start it. What? We had to prove that it was needed by creating an int- like a middle man club. That's, that's why. Wi- I mean, it's wild. That's wild. It's also wild to me because I think about like 2000. I was just watching Dawson's Creek. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so funny because Dawson's Creek ends in 2003. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's also really funny because you've talked about this online before, but, and obviously it's not something I ever thought of because as long as I've been alive, the internet has been like somewhat a thing, you know, and mm-hmm. like it's, I've obviously seen it like expand in certain ways, but not nearly mm-hmm. the same way as people older than me and so Mm. i'm sitting here watching dawson's creek and like you can see like they go from like like they literally have to show up at everybody's house to like contact Mm. each other or like maybe like call each other on the landline landline. um which is like i have that too growing up but like they're teenagers when i was a teenager everybody had a cell phone and and then you go to like they're in college and they all have these their flip phones and Mm -hmm. like she like at one point she had to go to the library to like my face. I'm so young. I'm sorry, Melissa. She had to go to the library to like get the articles because the the library had all of the articles and all of the books because they didn't have the internet. I have only ever been researching shit with access to the internet. Yeah. Ever. It's a really, it's such an interesting, I mean, this could be like a whole other like podcast, honestly, but it is such an interesting, it's, I, I jokingly say that like I very strongly identify as a cusp millennial and not just yeah. a straight out millennial because I'm like I remember not having the internet like right. I yeah. that was a my, the internet did not become a significant part of my life probably until college and high school most people I knew had internet access mm-hmm. but definitely in middle school it was I was like one of the only people who had internet access mm-hmm. I mean it's like and I mean that was dial up you know right. so <laughs> It's, it's a really, really interesting thing to like to think through, but I think, yeah, yeah. but at the same time, I will say Mm -hmm. to come back to to bring this back into queer stuff. Yes. I will say, I was talking to my therapist recently about the idea that I get a little frustrated sometimes when people want me to help them like validate their queer identity. And I think Mm -hmm. that part of what feels frustrating for me is like, nobody did that for me. Like I had to do this on my own. I didn't have fucking Instagram to DM a stranger to ask them for validation around my identity. Like I had to figure it out on my own. And as I was talking about this, I was like, you know, but it's actually interesting to me because when I was in high school, like late middle school into high school, I had all of these friends, these like internet friends. And my first girlfriend I like met on AIM, we like still talk, you know, like, which is wild. But like, um, I was thinking about how all of these people were queer. And I don't Mm. know if we like just made each other gay. Like one of us was gay (laughs) and we infected everybody else in the group or what? Or if we just so happen to find each other or what happened, but it was like, I, I did have a queer community online mm-hmm. on AOL, yeah. like, and you know, we were all whatever, 14 years old or whatever it was. And right. that is so powerful that it is, you know, and it's so funny because I, I also had a, a segue that I was thinking actually in relation to Dawson's Creek, which was what I was going to bring up, but I got distracted. Um, that happens. Dawson's Creek at the end of the series did a flash forward uh, for like five years, right? They like skipped Mm. five years. So it would be in like 2008, roughly, right? And one of the main characters is they adopt a child 
And they're like, my, my kid is going to be the only kid with gay parents in this, in, mm. in our town. And like, nobody else is gay, all this shit. And I was like, Jack, you, your child is not special. I was a kid in 2008 with two gay moms and a dad. Mm-hmm. Your kid ain't fucking special. Like everybody had a gay parent in 2008, which obviously not true. Like there are still right, heterosexuals right, right. in the world, but like, it's so, it's so interesting because like, I, I grew up in that situation and I know that, but at the same time, like growing up and like in my adult life and in the media that I consume, like queer representation has been lacking in different ways. And I grew Mm -hmm. up exposed to gay communities. Like I, I grew up around trans people, around drag queens. Like that was something I had and it's, but it was still there were still areas where I could very obviously be like, Hey, I don't know that I knew anyone who identified as bisexual because like when my mom was coming out, she was in the, like the wave of people coming out that were like, Oh shit, I'm married to someone of the opposite gender. Mm -hmm. And, and now I think I might be a lesbian. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and all of that. Um, And so it's just, it's really interesting the ways that like generationally the conversation is changing and like, Mm -hmm. like for me, I've gotten to see like lots of different spaces of that. Like I know, like I'm at, I was talking with someone similar to my brother's age who was like, (laughs) who was like, well, yeah, I'm like, I was, I was with their their mom or their, their mom was telling me about a, a, what they were like saying about sexuality because she was like trying to have the talk with him and be like oh well you know if you're gay it's okay like you can tell me and he was like he's like mom like nobody comes out anymore like everybody mm-hmm. everybody's like gender fluid or pan or mm-hmm. something and it's just I think it's so interesting because like we see the conversations changing but then at the same time like I think about the idea of representation mm-hmm. and I think about the way that we learn things and like the way that we learn about relationships and communication. And for me, for sure, a lot of that has been through media, Mm -hmm. right? Like movies and TV shows. And for some people it's books and they're like true, like true queer representation. As you said, it's lacking and it's Mm -hmm. lacking specifically in ways that are not coming out stories. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So then it's like, okay, well, I've identified that I'm gay. What comes next? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's interesting too because we also have to think about new media, like social yeah. media, digital media is also media, and so right. people now, pe- young people, like we had TV and the radio or like whatever, but <laughs> young people have TikTok, right? And so like there is queer representation that they are that they are um, like consuming that we never had access to. Yeah, and I think that that I mean. At the end of the day, because, you know, people will ask sometimes this question of like, why is everybody gay all of a sudden? You know, like, why is everyone queer and trans all of a sudden? Like, What happened? Is this like a trend? And it's like something that people don't seem to understand is when you are exposed to various ways that you are allowed to be in the world, you are more likely to develop a sense of self that is like more accurate. Yeah, You know, and it's like, it's not that trans people haven't always existed. It's not that being trans is a trend. It's Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden people recognize at younger and younger ages 
because they have more and more exposure that being right. trans is an option, that being trans is a thing. Yeah. Um, and so they may identify. It's like when I tell people like, I knew that I was bisexual, it, but I didn't know there was a word for bisexual for right. many years of my life. Right. Um, and that is what made the difference was being able to realize that the, that that was a thing I could be. And like something complimentary to that is that, okay, you have the word bisexual, but like, do you feel safe communicating that to other people? If you communicate mm-hmm. that to other people, are they going to know what you mean? Are you going to mm-hmm. explain that to them and then risk them invalidating that? And mm-hmm. that's something that's changing too, as more people are mm-hmm. familiar with it, right? Like I don't mm-hmm. have to explain to anyone about what bisexuality is anymore. If I, if I use the term pansexual, I might have to explain what that means. Um, queer, I might have to explain what that means. Um, and then also, I think it's super interesting, like the idea of more people identifying as like trans and bi and queer and all of these things. I think it's super interesting because like, yes, like we have, we have the terms, we are able to share that information. Um, and like, I think that's especially important for more like rural or secluded communities Mm -hmm. right um whether or not they tend to be like more conservative which i think like demographically i think that's relatively true is that more rural communities tend to be a bit more conservative but at least in the places that i've lived um but there's also something that like when you're in a more like isolated community you're going to like you're your view changes, right? You don't have access to as many like different perspectives and whatnot. Um, and I think that that's something with, with access to like information sharing and like seeing other people's like perspectives through like technology, that that's a big change is that people who Mm -hmm. wouldn't naturally be in, in areas and circles where you can have these conversations. Now you can have it on the internet. And now mm-hmm. I can see characters, I can see TikToks. And that's what you're saying about TikToks is so interesting because like one of the biggest things that I think of when I think about representation is like queer stories being told by queer people. And mm-hmm. in the medias that I typically consume, like TV and movies and books, um, that's an actual question, right? right? Like you actually have to ask like, hey, is the actor playing this character gay? Is mm-hmm. the writer of the show queer did they bring in mm-hmm. queer consultants to write the script um whereas tiktok it's just like a gay teenager with their camera fuck yeah right exactly <laughs> yeah there's a lot less i mean i think that's one of the beautiful things about digital media is that it it does not like flatten any kind of like it doesn't really flatten a hierarchy or anything like a part right. of power but like what it does do is it creates like there's so fewer steps between marginalized person mm-hmm. representing their own life like yes. it's it, it's not like i'm now i'm a consultant talking to a writer who's writing a character who's played by an actor who you're watching it's like i'm right. here and i'm making the content myself right and that's that's awesome i mean that's how it should be you know um mm-hmm. i think something that i think about a lot is like the idea of representation right And so I do want to take a minute to like talk to, to switch gears kind of, and think about, um, more traditional media. So like movies, TV Mm -hmm. shows, books, that sort of thing. Um, and actually I'll say, I'll say, let's say visual medias, because I'm thinking about actors Mm -hmm. and 
like a really big conversation is like wanting queer characters to be played by queer actors. Um, mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of actors are out. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you think of like the huge monster that is like Hollywood actors or whatever, mm-hmm. um, not a whole lot are out. I mean, like we're getting more for sure. Like every year there's a whole slew of new people that we're welcoming, but like, and in that, I think it's really interesting because it's not that there aren't gay actors, mm-hmm. right? Anybody who has ever been in any theater p- production right no so there are gay people it's a pretty queer space yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty queer space um so then like what is it why is it that the the actors that we're seeing are not identifying as queer and i think it really goes back to what we talked about in the Gaylor episode and the idea of safety and mm-hmm. the idea of you don't owe coming out to anybody mm-hmm. right but so how do we balance the as a queer person, I believe that nobody owes me their coming out story. At the same time, I want to see queer characters played by queer actors. Mm-hmm. But but I don't want them to have to tell me that they're gay. Like, how do we balance that? Well, I'm thinking about how, like, the again, we're coming back to this as a social problem. Why is it unsafe to be queer, right? Like, yeah. and why is it unsafe in these positions? I mean, for... For better or for worse, actors have an enormous amount of power in our society in terms of like financial access, not all actors, but like Hollywood, you know, like type, the kinds of people we're talking about who are in movies. Um, (laughs) I think, I mean, I think that this is so complex because I think there's just so, so, so many layers because there's the layer of like mm, the power and privilege that comes along with various ways that we fit an ideal so we talk a lot about like thinness as an ideal like obviously that's an example but whiteness as an ideal um but also cis heteronormativity as an ideal and so being cis passing or hetero passing or whatever um is or just straight up cis and hetero is gives you power in in the world I think that there's also an idea, this really false idea that kind of shows up in these landscapes, which is that like, if you are white, if you are um, thin, you are like a blank slate Mm -hmm. that we can project things onto, right? So this is how you get stuff like Scarlett Johansson playing like an Asian character is like Scarlett Johansson is not Asian, but like, well, we're just going to like blank slate and project something onto you, right? Or like, you can have, you'll have a thin actor wearing a fat suit, you right. know, and it's like, we're going to project it because we can do that for some reason. But I think, and like, if you're a straight person and people win awards for how well they act gay or right. trans, right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, what an amazing thing that they did that they actually made me feel like they were this, that, the other thing. Right. But if you are an actual queer person, now it's your pigeonhole. It's like you're queer and somehow yeah. why can't a queer actor fucking play a straight person on TV? <gasps> and then it's like, wow, they acted straight so well. Right, exactly. It's like they, they the exact opposite thing can happen. But it's like, well, if you're queer, now you're niche. Yeah. And so there's just fewer opportunities for you because people are going to see you as niche when it's like for some reason it's not true on the other side. And I think it's just about, yeah, the ability to project. It's similar to like, you know, most movies are about men, um, made by men for mm-hmm. men, because we can blank slate men. 
It's like, oh, we can kind of like men can be whatever men's stories are the stories that we're taught to care about. And so for some reason, we're like able to do that when like, why can't we empathize with women? Why can't we empathize with non-binary people? Like, why is that a thing? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think similarly, yeah, it's just like, it becomes niche now. Now you're a queer actor. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's what makes it unsafe to come out is now I can't get a fucking job. No, no, I can't get a fucking job. Yeah. Now the fans loved me, like half of them hate me now, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, now people who had no interest in me want to attack me. Uh, because right, 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 I, right, 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 because right. I threatened some idea of like heteronormativity that they had that I thought I, they they thought I was upholding heteronormativity with them and now I'm not so I'm the enemy like there's it's so much there's there's so much around it um, and I think that that's so interesting because like as I was po- posing the question I was like con- not confusing myself but it was paradoxical right. Mm. And Mm -hmm. your answer is almost also paradoxical, right? Right. Because it's a fucking paradox created by heteronormativity and it's fucking bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. Just now he says that all the time, (laughs) but it's, but that's real. It's a real, and we can go back to what we keep saying. It is a paradox that has been created by society. And it's like, it's not real. And which yeah. I think brings us back to the, the, the hetero heteronormativity itself is not fucking real. Like yeah. it's it's real in insofar as like it is real as a structure that that impacts our lives. But like not that straight people or cis people don't exist either. But it's like yeah. those things only quote unquote exist because the language that we created to limit how people express themselves and understand themselves exists. Like we created this fucking problem. Yeah. So. It's a real mess. It is a real mess. To say the least. It is a real mess. And I think it's, you said something, I think you said like something about acting a certain way or something. And it's so interesting before this episode, before we got on, I was listening to some other podcasts because I wanted to um, listen to some things by people talking about like queer theory in general and kind of like do a little refresher. And I found guys, okay, let's get bitch and fam. Let's, let's shout out a podcast I found today really quick because I love doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I found this podcast called it is complicated and, um, they have an episode called queer theory is complicated. And in this episode, okay. they were like talking about different origins of queer theory and all of this stuff. And they were, um, spent a really good chunk of time talking about gender identity and they were like they were like when like what it really comes down to and what a lot of theorists say is that like gender is yes gender is a construct right we talk about that (laughs) gender is also like almost habitual right and it's something Mm -hmm. that we act on and that we like it's just a series of performances right Mm -hmm. so then I'm sitting here thinking about how we perform gender, how we view our gender. And I'm like, well, I identify as a woman, right? I identify as a cisgender woman. I also identify as like, quote unquote, husband. Like when I talk with my fiance right. and her family, I identify as a husband. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of started out as a joke and then became mm-hmm. not a joke. And I was like, you know, I have no problem being the husband. Um, I'm also a wife. I am both. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, what is a husband? Why do I think I'm a husband? Like, mm-hmm. why, do, why would I identify with being the patriarch of a family? Oh, well, 
I grill, I do the taxes, I keep our budget. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not inherently masculine, but then at the same time, that's like a performance that men do to gender. But then also that was something that was created by the patriarchy to make women submissive. It's a fucking shit show. Right. It gets, it spirals. And I think that that has, again, like a lot to do with language and the way that we're like able to talk about things because yeah I feel like it just kind of like goes down this like loop which ends in like gender is a fucking joke which is like actually kind of awesome you know it's like (laughs) what is gender it's like you know even when you talk to people about their attraction right it's like you get to a place at some point where you're like gender doesn't make any fucking sense because people will say for example like uh, like, let's say I'm a straight woman. I'm attracted to men. Okay. Do trans men count? Why or why not? Right. You know, what is it that you're attracted to? What is a man? Right. What define man? Yes. And if it's only cis men, why? Like, what mm-hmm. is that about? Um, or I was having a conversation recently with a friend of mine who she identifies as straight and a cis woman who identifies as straight, but she was saying to me, I wouldn't not date someone because she was a woman. And I'm like, why are you then tied to the identity of straight? If you're saying right. you would it, it wouldn't stop you. You're not saying you would date a woman per se. That's not like the way that you're wording it. You're saying you right. wouldn't not date a woman. Right. Um, what, <laughs> why are you holding on to your straight identity? Why does that feel important to you? Why does it feel um, important to you? Yep. And so it becomes just sort of this, like, yeah, the more questions you ask, it just becomes very much or like would you date someone who is like let's say again we're talking like a straight woman or whatever or oh here's even a better example because this pisses me off is straight cis men who date non-binary afab femme people Mm -hmm. but still consider themselves like straight is it like so you perceive that person as a woman right that makes gender like pointless right do you know what I mean? I do. I and I, I think about that a lot too, because like I have, I, I, I have, and I knew someone in college who was like, oh yeah, well, I'm a straight man, but like I would date a man who has a vagina. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're attracted to vaginas now. You're like, is that like vaginas. what you're, that's what you're attracted to. But I also right. find lots of lesbians, lesbians who will be like, I also will date trans men and it's right. like what about trans women what like what, what are you women? creating like uh it's such it it when you ask people and i'm not saying that people have to identify everybody it has to be like bisexual or pansexual because like obviously that's not fair um but it is just <laughs> interesting to be like what the fuck are you talking about i feel like your ideas yeah. around gender like fall apart by asking like three questions and now yes. all of a sudden it's just well i don't know yeah maybe that's what fucking scares people <laughs> I mean, I think it is because it's also, you know, my partner is trans, you know, and he has the experience where he'll say like another kind of example of this is he'll be like, you know, uh, I'll have like a cis straight woman like hitting on me and like being interested in me. And at some point I have to say like, Mm. hey, like, you know, I'm trans or whatever. And that they will then either very much out loud or clearly be having a process inside their head of like, well, what does that mean about me? Right. And we'll sometimes be like, oh, well, I don't do that. Like basically being like, well, I'm not queer. So. But it's like, but you're attracted to this person. So like right. you are. You're, <laughs> it's like you are attracted to this person. Yeah. Who is trans. Thereby, you are attracted to trans people. So right. what is that? What? And what about the idea of being attracted to a trans person scares you or intimidates you or seems like something that's quote unquote not for you? Um, right. 
And then I think that brings into question like the idea of attraction, which you were talking about earlier. Like, mm-hmm. like why do we need to why do we need to label the sexuality? Like why do we need like why it's, it's, it's so interesting. It's yeah. really because it's also like you don't know someone's gender by looking at them. So if you're right. attracted to them, I was talking to someone the other day about, you know, the high, you know, propensity for like trans women, particularly trans women of color to be like murdered, usually by straight men who are yeah. attracted to them as women and then find out that they're trans and then think that that makes them gay and are so angry about that. And then, act um, out, and then yeah. they feel tricked and that then they, yeah. and it's like, none of this would happen if you didn't assume people's genders and if you didn't assume what genitals people had, like, and that seems ridiculous to me. Also like- That I mean, you would like, necessarily assume people's bodies. Right. You don't know shit about a person's body. True. Yeah. And it's like, also like, why, like, I understand that like, to an extent that that sort of reaction that we see, like, and, and, all acts of homophobia, like no matter what end of the scale of violence they're on, are all are all powered by hate. But like, why do you have to get upset about mm-hmm. someone else's gender and sexuality, even if you were attracted to them? It doesn't have to do with you. Right. It has absolutely nothing to do. I mean, it really is just like people are so tied to the identity that they hold. Mm-hmm. And particularly if it's an identity that puts them in a position of power right. um, that they don't want, I mean, it just comes down to not wanting to be oppressed. It's like almost right. like almost what it comes down to is like, well, I don't want to be that. Yeah. Um, whatever, you know, you know, insert. Which but like, it's so fair. In- I don't want to be oppressed either. No, like- nobody wants to be oppressed, right? But like, <laughs> that's the fuck not, we like, are. <laughs> no one's goal. But I feel like, um, yeah, it's just such a wild, again, it's like the conversation about who are you attracted to? Which genders are you attracted to? And why it really falls right. apart. And people will get extremely defensive. I did like a series one time, like asking this question in like my Instagram stories or something. And someone was like mad. Like they were like, people are allowed to have gender genital preferences. And I'm like, I'm not saying that you're not like, you can right. like whatever the fuck you want. Like, I'm not going to tell you that you can't, but what I want to understand is if we as a society or people who are social justice oriented, if we're going to come together and say, if you say you're not attracted to black people, period, that's fucked up. And that's racist. If you're going to say you're not attracted to fat people, period, that's fucked up and fat phobic. Why can't we say you saying that uh, you're not attracted to trans people is fucked up and transphobic. Yes. And yeah. And I think that it's like, okay, you can say, yeah, all right. I won't, I won't date X, Y, Z gender. Um, if that gender that you were talking about refers to someone who is transgender, genderqueer, et cetera, um, okay, you don't, like, you don't have to, if let's say you're attracted to women and you meet a woman mm-hmm. who has a penis, right? And mm-hmm. but you're not attracted to penis. So mm-hmm. then, okay, I get that. I get that. Mm-hmm. Penises are kind of gross. I feel you. But like, where does that come from? I think that's really important well, right. to recognize because it's like, like, yes, you have certain things that are actually like sexual preferences and some things that are biases. Yes. That have mm-hmm. absolutely nothing to do with your sexual preference. Mm-hmm. It's just a bias that yeah. or like and some sort like- of fear or hate or anger or whatever that is that you are translating into a preference. Yeah. And people be like, so what now I have to date such and such. And it's like, no, actually you're really unsafe. Please don't like <laughs> Please date, don't. you know, whatever X, Y, Z, you know, group. Um, 
but also it's just like, yeah, where is this coming from? And why are you so afraid to interrogate it? Like, why are you so defensive of it? Um, Rather than being like, oh yeah, that probably comes from somewhere. And I just think it's interesting, particularly within social justice communities that there's so many ways that we can be like, oh no, that's not a preference. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's oppression. Um, But for some reason, people will still stand by this idea that your sexual orientation is so innate, but it's like, well, what is gender? that you can actually say with any kind of definitiveness, um, I'm attracted to these genders and that's it. Like, what do you mean by that when you say that? It gets, it's just, it's break apartable, I feel like, and it's interesting. And I think that this idea of um, like what we're talking about of like interrogating things, I'm, I'm thinking about like, I've just said like, it's none of your damn business, right? Well, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about that in terms of what we were talking about, about representation. Mm. is it my business to know if that Mm -hmm. actor or actress is queer they're playing Mm -hmm. a queer character like what we were talking about earlier about and then we talked about this with taylor swift like if you're like a female writing something from a male's perspective that's queer Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. queer if Mm -hmm. you're harry styles Mm -hmm. and you're wearing feminine clothing Mm -hmm. and you're wearing shirts about about you know oral sex with penises like that's queer um right so if you're a uh someone an actor playing a queer character in a queer relationship engaging with Mm -hmm. a a same sex like an actor a co-actor of the same sex or same gender or whatever that's queer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't know I think it's complicated because it's also like, you know, I think that sometimes that question about the representation comes up where it's like, you know, there are queer or like, let's say trans, like trans is such a good example because it's like, there's so many stories about trans people where the trans characters are played by cis people. And it's like, including on my favorite show of all time, Degrassi. Why are you doing that? There are plenty of trans actors who can't fucking get work by virtue of their being trans why wouldn't you give them work to play a trans fucking character? Like that's wild. Yes. And disability is another like point where like it comes up a lot. And I think specifically with transgender, I think with the idea, like, at least for me, like with the idea of like sexual orientation. And I think, I think more about sexual orientation because we see a lot of cases of that. Like we see more representation of that. And specifically we see a lot of representation of that by character by actors who are out of straight and also that's just what i identify more with but i think talking about trans representation is is much it's different and it's it's really important because like this idea that um you're for being like your sexuality is something that like you don't express all the time, right? Like you could not Mm -hmm. be out and be, and be queer. Right. But Mm -hmm. trans is different. There's no excuse to not hire a trans actor for a trans character. Mm -hmm. There's just Mm -hmm. no excuse. It doesn't make any sense. Um, And I mean, you can always make the argument that we don't know whether people are trans or not, you know, we could make that same argument, but it's still like, there's a, I think that part of it is about the intention. Like, yeah. It's similar to like, you could say, okay, I am whatever, the executive director of this 
organization and I'm hiring people and I'm going to hire, I'm going to call in to interview the three people with the best resumes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you could say, well, I just was calling in the best resumes. Like I wasn't, you know, it's not my fault. They were all white. Or it's not my fault. They were all men, you know, but like, if you are approaching this with any kind of intentionality around like, who do I want to like be represented here? Who do I want to give money to? Who's, um, you know, uh, like perspective, do I like want like here at this organization, then you would actually put intention into, I'm actually only going to consider hiring people of XYZ marginalization. And I think it's kind of like, um, it's just lazy. Like, it's just lazy to be like, to not intentionally think about here are these marginalized people who have fewer opportunities. Um, and you don't, you know, you don't want to pigeonhole people either, right? Like we were talking about, about being niche. Like it's not like, well, you're queer, so you can only play queer characters, but it's, it's just, it's just wild how it doesn't go both ways. It's like, if you're straight, you can play straight people and queer people. If you're queer, mm, then, you you know, it's not believable if people, if you're going to play a straight character. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's fucked. You know, I mentioned earlier the show, uh, motherland Fort Salem, my current Mm -hmm. obsession. Well, Mm -hmm. I don't, I try not to get obsessed with celebrities because they're people like I love Taylor Swift's music. I, I, to certain degrees, you know, we've had this conversation. I have to identify as a Swifty. I'm in the top Mm -hmm. like 1% of her listenership on Spotify. Like I have a problem. I am a Swifty. You have to be honest. Yeah. I have to be honest. I have to, I had to have a heart to heart with myself and be like, Genesee, it's who you are. It's fine. Um, But at the same time, I'm not going to be one of the people waiting outside of Taylor Swift's apartment to take pictures of her. Mm, I'm not going to like sort through her trash. Like I'm not going to stalk Harry Styles. Like we were talking Mm -hmm. earlier. I met one of my favorite authors at the Thorns game this weekend. Um, that was super exciting. You didn't follow him home. I did. <laughs> right? Like. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't follow yeah. him home. And I like, and I'm, and like, that was cool. And we had that interaction and that was that. That was that. And like, I don't, uh, celebrities are people, right? Celebrities yeah. are people. So I, I try not to like idolize them much more than I idolize the regular people in my life, you know? Um, which I totally do. I have the coolest friends. One of my friends who also does a podcast, he's also an artist. And so this week Mm -hmm. I've been like, just like streaming his band's shit because I'm like, oh, you're the best. And I want to support you and everything that you do. And you're amazing. Um, and you know, I do that for Taylor Swift and Harry Styles. So why the fuck not people I actually know? There you go. But anyway, so I, I started following the actress who plays the main character her name is taylor hickson and her the character's name is rael in the show and um she posted on her story her sister is a youtuber her sister is like a a visual um media like content creator and um which i love i love the siblings of famous people capitalizing off of their siblings being famous (laughs) Mm -hmm. like i love that i'm for for it like austin Um, swift I'm for it. Like Austin Swift. Yeah. Frankie Grande. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, he just started doing like makeup tutorials on YouTube and, and he was like, Hey, yeah, my sister, Ayana brought makeup. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Exactly. Um, and so like every once in a while, her sister will have a uh, Taylor on to, um, 
to like do like Q and A's or like different fun things. So like last week she did a uh, truth or drink, right? Which mm-hmm. was hilarious. It was so much fun to watch. Um, and one of the like truth questions was like, Taylor, would you ever uh, romantically date someone of the same gender? And because she plays a, a lesbian mm-hmm. character, right? Um, mm-hmm. And her answer was, and it was so funny because I like one of the first things I do when I see a queer character that's amazing or a queer show that's really great. I'm like, okay, well, what is the show doing to support queer creators? Like, who in the show is a queer right, creator? right? Who, like, what are where's their money going? All of this stuff, mm-hmm. and so one of the first things I did when I like fell in love with, with motherland was I was like, okay, who is this actress? Is she out? Um, mm-hmm. or are, are they talking about this? And I actually couldn't find anything, which is weird because normally when someone plays a queer character, there are all sorts of articles that are like, oh, this person's gay and they play gay character or, oh, this person's straight and they play a ca- queer character and people are angry or mm-hmm. whatever. And I couldn't find anything for her. And so the, she asked, mm. her sister asked this truth question and she goes, her answer was like, well, I'm going to take a drink because I don't an- owe an answer to anybody. And uh, I'm going to date whoever the fuck I want to. And I was like, mm-hmm. I loved that because that was an answer. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That was an answer. Absolutely. And I think that's so interesting. So I'm sitting here feeling bad because I care so much about this poor, like famous person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, like, mm-hmm. I'm like Googling her and shit and watching her sister's YouTube uh, because I have a problem and I'm now obsessed with this TV show and this actress. But like, I think it's so interesting because so many people won't take that as an answer. Sure. Mm-hmm. And why not? You know, right, right. It's like anything else in your life. You don't have to share anything that you don't want to. Yeah, you know, like that's like just a point of being a human being is that we have things that we share and we have things that we don't share. We share in certain contexts or with certain people. Right. And people don't have to share what they're. And it's also, you know, particularly interesting. I think for folks who are maybe unsure of themselves, maybe mm-hmm. are questioning. You know, it maybe aren't even like, oh yeah, like I'm totally sure about my sexuality and I just don't want to discuss it publicly. It could be like, I'm not really sure. Like maybe I would be open to that, but I don't want to say that I'm open to that because then I'm going to get all this kind of like blowback around like whether or not um, I'm queer baiting, you know, like I think that, and so it feels like um, there's lots of reasons why people might be like, this is not a conversation that I feel comfortable having or having right now. And that's a totally valid, you can say pass, yes. <laughs> you know, I'm not answering that. It's totally valid. You don't owe an answer to anybody. I also think it's important to recognize the di- difference when we're talking about representation in terms of like individuals versus, um, like companies and organizations mm-hmm. and corporations, mm-hmm. Disney can go fuck themselves. I love Disney. I love Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I love Disney movies. I love Pixar movies. Uh, Disney owns like all of my favorite franchises now. It owns Star Wars. It owns Marvel. Uh, literally every time a Marvel, something Marvel comes out, I do a crossover episode with my boys, the Good Kraken. I love Disney. However, they fail me over and over mm-hmm. and over again uh, in terms of representation, in terms of all sorts of representation 
um in terms of like racial representation ethnic representation Mm -hmm. gender representation they're getting a little bit better with gender representation i think but like everywhere else they're still failing sexual orientation gender representation i mean it's they're Mm -hmm. getting i gender representation i i will i will amend that because i think that i think i did say it twice and what i was picturing in my mind is like i think that disney is getting better at representing female stories but they are representing cisgender female stories that are primarily Mm -hmm. white yep Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like there's no um clearly you know trans characters or non-binary characters right and then like they so i think it was disney pixar recently came out with a movie called luca right and i'm watching Mm -hmm. this yes i've actually seen it I have to tell you, I I have to tell you that I do not, um, I'm not into kids movies. I like, that's like, just not, I'm a grown up. I can't do it. Um, And I know that most of my generation is like totally full of Pixar. And I'm like, I've not, but my partner's five-year-old was visiting and he desperately wanted to show us two like Disney movies. And one of them was Luca. And so I I just saw it last week, Raya. Oh, Raya. I haven't finished that yet. I was watching it with a five-year-old that I know and she wasn't into it. So she stopped it halfway through because, you know, okay. Well, it's, I would finish um, it. It was beautiful. I want to, I've heard wonderful things about it, but, um, yeah, Luca was really good. Um, Luca is also, um, it's Italian, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It had a lot going on. Um, but Luca, I was sitting there watching it and I was like, this little, this little boy's gay, right? this little mm. this little merman boy is gay right like that's the story like he's in love with this other little merman boy who lives on the shore and this right, is right, right. this is obviously this is like a love a, story this is a love story and this is a found family story right and i'm watching it with my mom and my mom goes and my mom starts talking about like the the love story between luca and the little girl in town i was like that wasn't a love story mm. they were just friends He's in love with the little mermaid boy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which in, in reality, the approach that Pixar took with it was that Luca wasn't in love with anybody and it wasn't a love mm-hmm. story. It was a story about a boy you know, finding himself, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, but also like, I was like, okay, like, let's not say that this little boy is falling in love with this little, little boy. It's a story about found family right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. sweet little gay mermaid boy is finding a family on the shore but Mm -hmm. it wasn't that that wasn't what we were supposed to take away and so i and i looked it up i was like because disney loves to do the like yes this is the story and we'll talk about it in interviews but like we aren't going to say it on the screen because we don't want to turn people off absolutely i mean i felt the same way about raya like when we started watching it we were like oh like clearly these girls are gay right each other right like we literally asked my partner's son like we were like are they in love and he kept being like no (laughs) he kept being like are you sure you know he's five and he's like no and then you know it turns out that they're like enemies for a while in the movie or whatever and i was like oh that's why he thinks they're not in love but i'm like they're in love that girl has a fucking undercut that's she's gay that girl has a fucking undercut yes yeah like she's gay (laughs) no for real and it's like and then I think it's so interesting because like I'm sitting there like and I talk to people about it and they're like well they're children like children are gay too yes right exactly and it's like I understand that there's obviously an argument which is that like we don't 
become sexual beings until puberty. And so technically right. children aren't sexual beings and don't have attraction or whatever. But I don't even necessarily believe that because you still have aesthetic attraction. There's right. still like, there's, you know, and, and you have crushes I feel as like a child. you have crushes, you absolutely have crushes. Right. And I think it's also interesting because we never say children can't be straight though. Yes. You know, like if we're, if we're making the argument, I know everybody says this and it's like obvious by now, but it's like, if you're going to make the argument that children don't have a sexual orientation, that's fine. But then why are you calling that like two-year-old, a ladies man, because he's like yes. being cute with like a woman, you know, no, like that's, yeah. yeah. Like that's, you yeah. are projecting straightness is yes. what you're doing. And so rejecting why can't we, queerness. Mm-hmm. so why can't we project queerness instead? Yeah. And I will. <laughs> right. I will do that. The, the, gay, the agenda. gay agenda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, so I don't, I mean, that's, that's the message. That's the tweet. That's the post. Yeah, basically. I feel like we talked a lot longer than I thought we were going to. And um, we made I, it, we made it happen. We made it happen. There's so I, much to say. There was so much to say. And like, I still feel like there was so much we didn't say. <laughs> I know. I mean, this, I mean, we could have an entire podcast series, just like unpacking all these different, you know, ideas one by one. I mean, there are entire podcasts dedicated just to this conversation. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something fun about what we do here at let's get bitching is that we have this conversation in a lot of different ways about a lot of different Mm -hmm. like pieces of media and a lot of different things with a lot of different people. Um, And yeah, that's, that's it. That's, that's the bitch fest. That's the tea. Um, I do kind of want, I want to end the episode, Melissa, with, um, some of our favorite, like canonically queer pieces of media or like Mm -hmm. actors, celebrities, because like, while like a lot of what we were talking here is like where queerness is not accepted, not appreciated, not represented. Um, Mm -hmm. but there are a lot of queer people out there doing shit and there are a lot of like fun queer pieces of media (laughs) and like all sorts of things happening um so let's do like quick little little spurts of queer things that we love queer things that we love i love that carly ray jepsen i feel like carly ray jepsen is like not queer but is queer there that's how florence Pew, as far as I know, is like out of straight, but like she is lesbian culture specifically. And I love mm. that for her. Um, which reminds me of folklore as an album, like whether or not Taylor yes. Swift is queer, which obviously we did a whole podcast on. Folklore as an album is a lesbian album. Folklore yes. is a queer album. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Folklore is a like cottage core queer album. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, Dove Cameron came out as bisexual in pride month and i okay wonderful love that for her i love her Mm -hmm. she's a fun time she's one of very few Mm -hmm. celebrities that like i have not watched much with her in it at all but i Mm. i'm kind of obsessed with dove cameron Mm -hmm. and now something i love yeah something that i love is going to be maybe a long-winded one but as a kid i was really into archie comics i like loved getting archie comics at like the um like at the grocery store or whatever and Lily Reinhardt, who plays Betty on um, Riverdale, is bisexual. And I just remember like feeling like all of my dreams came true because I remember being a kid and being like, why is Betty and Veronica always fighting? Why don't like they just date? Like, what? Why are they fighting over this guy all the time? Literally. Yeah. No, Lily Reinhardt coming out was a capital M moment. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already talked about Motherland Fort Salem because it's everything. Um, 
I've recently, I've, I've apparently been on like a queer witch kick. So I started watching Charmed recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not a huge fan of the reboot of Charmed thus far. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because like, I loved the original Charmed. It was mm-hmm. really fucking good. It was just a very well done show. Um, I love, but I love elements of the new Charmed. They have a very like um, racially diverse cast. They have like characters with different sexualities. Like I think that's super dope. That's awesome. And speaking of queer witch shit, that makes me think of the craft. You know, I feel like the craft, which was like, you know, came out in, oh God, was I in middle school, the nineties was, um, I feel like not queer, but queer. Like there, right. it was not technically queer, but I feel like it was a very queer, there was that a queer vibe to it. You know, that's something else I've been thinking about lately and like character, like things that are not queer, but seem queer is that my, my sister-in-law talks about this character from, um, the dreamers series and the Raven boys cycle that we love, um, it's the character Declan and she always says mm-hmm. that Declan Lynch is a lesbian but she's a straight mm-hmm. man so like mm-hmm. it, there's there's a lot there to unpack queer theory wise and I think that's so interesting is when like male characters are written by women so they read as lesbians mm-hmm. sure right and so um the the male love interest from Beach Read 110% mm-hmm. a lesbian that that person is a woman they were written by a woman and should be using she her her pronouns um and same with uh pacey witter from Mm. um from dawson's creek i feel Mm -hmm. like i feel like pacey is a lesbian Uh, that character dresses like a lesbian there you go and not I mean, like it was the nineties in it, the early two thousands. So who knows? But yeah, yeah. But Dawson, sense. Dawson dresses heterosexual, like a heterosexual well, that's, man. That's hilarious. I would yeah. say uh, my first. I think the first time I ever experienced a queer reading of something, maybe, maybe one of the first was when I was in high school in AP English, we had to read um, a separate piece by John Knowles, which is like a novel from I don't even know when the late fifties, maybe early sixties, and the two main characters it's a story about best friendship between these two these two men and I remember being like at one point in class being like aren't they gay though like I think that they're gay and my teacher was like there's always one kid in every class who thinks that they're gay and I was like is it the gay like I think they're gay (laughs) like I think this is this is homoerotic they are gay so a separate piece is gay gay, right (laughs) I love that. Same with oh my god. Uh, n- now we're getting into non-canonically queer characters, but I don't care. Fuck it. Uh, Finn and Poe in the like Star Wars, the newer mm. Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Like those actors yes. played them as love interests. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, icons. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's crushy vibes going on there. <laughs> um, but actual gay shit. um that's like harder actually I feel like I'm more into um things that aren't technically gay but I believe that they are gay oh young Um, royals young mm. royals but that and that Mm -hmm. is partially a coming out story but that one I feel like it's also really interesting because until the end of the series the coming out part really isn't that important the like sexual Mm -hmm. tension and romantic tension and like that interaction is what's most important I think that's really interesting Mm -hmm. I haven't watched it yet, but I think Elite is gay too. And it's on my oh, list. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I keep we'll seeing see. gay memes of Elite. 
Okay. Well, that hopefully that means something. Eventually I will do an episode on like all of the gay shows I've watched based on gay memes that I saw on the internet. Mm. Another not gay, but I'm pretty sure are gay um, is Spice Girls. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like there was a lot of gay vibes happening with the Spice Girls. And I would love to hear, I would love if they would release like a tell all um, autobiography that they somehow write all together because... (laughs) I, I, I do not believe that they were not having sex. You know, Some on the theme of uh, girl bands that mm-hmm. were, um, or woman bands or whatever, uh, that with gayness, one of the uh, members of Fifth Harmony was rumored mm-hmm. to be dating one of her co-members of Fifth Harmony. I want to really? say she was rumored to be dating Camilla Cabello. I feel like that was the mm-hmm. matchup. I forget the, that person's name, but they later came out as queer really yeah it was a big deal and that was super interesting because she was a case where she had like spoken out about how harmful it was that people were speculating that she might be gay because it was making her like question all of her female relationships and question how she was like who she was hanging out with and where and when and all that stuff which i'm like well sweetie i'm really sorry but that sounds like internalized homophobia right Mm -hmm. and it you know probably was maybe was yeah fascinating god it's brutal out here yes (laughs) yes did you did you see that people were saying that like that were accusing olivia rodrigo of queer baiting and someone was like she's just hanging out with her friend it was like there was like pictures of her and her friend and they were kind of like hanging on each other but it was like you know people were like that's just that's just people being friends well you can't call that queer baiting that's just friendship it was so funny. You should look it up. The pictures are, they're really just like, <laughs> I'm going to have touching, to... hugging, like having like into like physical intimacy. Um, and people were like, let me around. He goes out here queer baiting. So I love that. I love that so much. I, you know, it's so funny because she's also part of the, like that younger generation that it's like, mm-hmm. I can, can she queer bait? Like what? Like she might just, right. Like, like she might just she make might out just, with a woman and she might not. And she might like, I don't, I don't think she like cares. Culturally for her not be a big deal. Yeah. yeah. It's different. I think that's so interesting. I found out, I don't know if you know this. I found out like a few days ago that um, Olivia Rodrigo is dating a music producer that is 24 okay. years old. Oh yeah. She's 18. Yeah. That's it's not it's not not ideal ideal. it's not ideal and i i'm like oh baby oh baby i love olivia rodrigo but and she hopefully taylor swift can talk some sense into her because she dated john mayer when he like he was way too old for her so maybe she'll be able to be like please listen to dear john and get the fuck out of there (laughs) right and olivia rodrigo already wrote favorite crime it's like honey you know Mm -hmm. yes you know (laughs) we all know we're all crying to favorite crime in our cars and in our showers. Yes. <laughs> and, and everywhere in my bed. And everywhere. <laughs> in all places. Sometimes I lay on the floor and like dim the lights yeah. and just, <laughs> just cry. The bathroom floor, maybe even. <laughs> maybe I'll do that tonight. Maybe that'll be the thing. Um, I think that's all we got today. <laughs> that's it. That's that's where we that's where we end. Uh, thank you so much, Melissa, for coming back and chatting with me. It's always lovely talking with you. Thank you so much. This was so fun. And I'm excited about our other plan. 
we have another she's coming we back. have another one coming up I'm coming oh i'm back. so excited melissa i'm so excited um so and if you're wondering what the fuck are they talking about you know what you should do you should follow let's get bitchin on instagram mm-hmm. and on our tiktok and wait because you know your fave guest host will be coming back because it happens why not i bring everybody back mm-hmm. i'm like i love That's i love brilliant. people i love talking with people why why not so yeah melissa will be back follow us on instagram on the tiktok uh we create mediocre content (laughs) i love that that's that's so um like i love i love managing expectations (laughs) yeah like i some some of it you might be like wow that's the shit and some of it you're like genesee why are you on tiktok you create tiktok like an old woman and i'm like you know you're not wrong i am Mm -hmm. mentally 50 so fight me um and I hope y'all have a wonderful week. Happy Monday and stay bitching. Bye.